Trending on the weekend on Twitter was the Bluetooth-compatible cassette player. Did you see this thing? The product is called It's Okay. It's from a company called Nim Lab, and it hit Kickstarter a few days ago with pre-orders starting at around 60 bucks. But in 2019, a lot of folks online were asking, is this the piece of technology, a Bluetooth-enabled cassette player, that no one was asking for? Let's ask our music expert, Eric Alper. He's on the line and joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Eric, uh, were you hungry for the Bluetooth uh, Walkman? Oh, sorry about that. I was just too busy lacing up my Air Jordans and finishing up my Rubik's Cube <laughs> because it seems like everything in the 80s is coming back. What's amazing about this is that as ridiculous as this idea is, I have often go back to what Steve Jobs said when he was releasing the iPod and all those different amazing Apple products, you have no idea what you want until we give it to you. Okay. <laughs> so there's now, a real market for this nostalgia of a cassette player and to listen to it through a wireless a modern speaker. Absolutely not. Okay. But, it, <laughs> but it's fun. Um, I'm not even convinced that through all of the hype and the hoopla with uh, many of us, including myself, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Walkman, buying another Walkman, um, which I actually did this weekend. The this this Bluetooth stuff is is just kind of like, look, I would never knock any idea, and I don't want to go negative on very many things in my life. But I will say though that the people that are into Bluetooth and and artificial intelligence and technology now really have no use for going back to a clunky system, um, which the Walkman was. And I think it's a real interesting idea. I have no doubt that it'll exceed the Kickstarter campaign that they're running. Um, But I think for now, I think maybe it's just a fun thing for you and I to talk about. Yeah, because, you know, there has been some talk about the resurrection of the uh, cassette, that there's uh, a renaissance, uh, if you will, of the uh, cassette tape, uh, uh-huh. much like we've seen with a uh, vinyl over the last uh, number of years. But uh, I don't know about you, Eric, but I'm not sensing it. I'm not feeling it. I, I don't know anybody that's gone out and got a new tape deck and are shopping for cassettes like people do for vinyl now. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Although that that doesn't stop the record labels and artists today from putting their latest album on cassette. In fact, that people might be listening and laughing going, really, you can get the new Selena Gomez or the new Lil Nas X on cassette? You can, actually. You can get it at really cool hip clothing stores for about 10 or $12. But for the most part of it, it's just a really kitschy novelty item. And for indie bands, surprisingly, that are on tour across Canada, it's another item them to have on your merch table to sell at a low price as opposed to trying to get people to buy like a $35 or $40 t-shirt. You can actually put a number of cassettes on there and they sell. I don't think they're being listened to, but I think for the most part, it's a little nice trinket to, to bring home from the show. What was the most annoying thing for you about cassettes? Was it uh, buying an album that one side was good and the other side sucked, so you always had to fast forward and, or completely rewind it to uh, listen to the album? Or was it, uh, I always loved when the uh, tape would get a little slack and then you'd have to uh, get a pencil and uh, wind it tight, <laughs> taunt again. <laughs> uh, no, for me, it was waiting for the DJ to stop talking so I can go tape it on my boombox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and helping bring the music industry that I love and I work in down. Um, You know, it it, it wasn't the best quality, but as opposed to what came before it with 
you know, the eight track tape, it was far better sound. Um, and it, it, you know, for the most part, the best thing about it is, I think the big reason why everybody is talking about the Walkman today it was the very first time that we actually got to take our music with us in a mobile device that we could listen to in the comfort through the, our own, you know, headphones and and uh, and earphones and not have anybody bother us. And I think that was the mark of loneliness and um, doing things yourself and that seclusion that we all feel now with, you know, this that led to the iPod, that led to music streaming services and computer devices. I do miss making my own mixtape, though. That is the one thing I do miss about uh, cassettes. We're here with the music expert Eric Alper, and uh, Eric, it goes without saying that Paul McCartney, John Lennon, they wrote some of the most famous songs in history. Yet for the songs where they are listed as co-authors, it's uh, not really clear who wrote what. And now with the help of some uh, AI, artificial intelligence and machine learning, a team of researchers from Harvard and Dalhousie here in Canada, they've, uh, Eric, developed a system where they're able to figure out uh, what Lennon did and what McCartney did on these songs? Yeah, this is real interesting because it's not just about the technology. It's more human than that because up until even a number of years ago, Paul McCartney got a little bit frustrated um, and he talked about this in the media with a little bit of John Lennon revisionist history of how much he actually did on certain Beatles songs that John Lennon was getting credit for. We all know that back in the day, when Paul McCartney was the only one to record and produce yesterday, for instance, the Beatles got the credit. But over the last number of years, there's been a real hard line with Paul McCartney on, no, 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 I did this, and he just did this. If you want to take it one step further, if you take a look at any of the Beatles songs, the credits are always listed as Lennon-McCartney. And Paul McCartney actually wanted to change some of the songs to be McCartney-Lennon. And this is no big deal when it comes to, um, you know, people like you and I. But for somebody like Paul McCartney, it's really important because this is his future and his children's future when it comes to dividing up royalties. And now we have AI trying to figure out, well, that's something that Paul would do as opposed to that's something that John would do. Now, how is this working? Do you know if they put in like a bunch of Beatles songs or Lennon and McCartney solo works and they can detect sort of patterns of uh, how they write melodies and how they write lyrics? That's exactly how it is. They take a look at all 240-odd songs that Paul McCartney and John Lennon wrote um, in and out of the Beatles, in fact, and they're looking for patterns. They're looking for influences. They're looking for chord changes, for lyrical content, things that algorithms that we hear so much about when you're watching Netflix for days and days, and then all of a sudden, it, Netflix tells you that you should be watching this, and you're like, oh my God, that's such a perfect choice for me. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for those little kind of patterns that you and I wouldn't be able to detect, but technology using musical notes and language is all able to predict Oh, who actually did what? I'm just not convinced that, you know, it's going to be the right thing. And truth be told, I'm not sure that even Paul McCartney is going to believe this anyway. Unless well, it falls in his favor. Yeah, these researchers, exactly. These researchers claim that they can uh, predict with 76% accuracy. I'm just uh, wondering, Eric, whatever happened to that old phrase, uh, there's no I in team. Uh, I guess it goes out the window when we're talking about royalties, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, when you're talking about potentially hundreds of millions of dollars of royalties, everything counts, especially in this day and age when songwriters are getting so little thanks to music streaming services and the the amount that they're getting as opposed to making $20 per CD. I think, you know, those pennies start to add up to dollars, and those dollars are are giant checks. And again, we're not just talking about, you know, that Paul McCartney has enough money. We're talking about the next 50 to 100 years worth of royalties coming down. And hence the reason they just can't let it be. Oh, See what I did you. there? See that? Look yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That's why you're where you are. Eric Alper, pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. You got it.